0: Good morning and happy Easter. Let's all stand together as our extended family joins with us online. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Glad that you, chose, chose, you have chosen to worship with us this Easter, so glad to see you. We'll remind you quickly of how we do our offerings now at Celebration Church. At the end of the service, there will be ushers at the doors. You can use the envelopes in, on the seat backs in front of you to put in any cash or checks, uh, and then you can put that in the buckets on the way out. A lot of people uh, give online now. They've signed up for recurrent giving, which is really helpful to us. Uh, or people use their phones. You can go use the Celebration Church app, and you can give an offering right off of your phone. So that's all kind of nice. And thank you for doing that. We were in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. Can you tell? A little, a little sparkly this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So I get to preach the sermon again. First service, I could hardly concentrate. I did not know what was going on because um, we have a uh, get, getaway, staff getaway, some of our key pastors uh, coming up uh, and uh, found out this morning our flights had all been canceled. Delta's is bad, but at least Delta will say, we had to change your flights. Here's what we're offering for other flights. Let us know. And they follow up. United, nothing. Ah, you're done. (laughs) So we're on the phone for a good hour or so before I left to preach this morning. I got here, all I was thinking flights, 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 flights. So I got that out of my head. Now I can preach. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. So D- Becky was up here saying, you know, uh, what joins us together is uh, the uh, preaching of our lead pastor, Mark Hunger, who typically preaches live. I said, sometimes I'm half dead. But uh, <laughs> first of all, I was half dead. You know, it's bad when you're sitting in church and the preacher is boring and you're the preacher. I mean, that's horrible. <laughs> Focus there. What is I talking about? Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so next Sunday, we will be gone, some of the key. Uh, coming in is my good friend Nazareth, uh, if you haven't heard him before. He's a scream. You'll love this guy. He's a Palestinian Arab who became a Christian after he came to this country. He's got a dramatic story. He's also hilarious, so he'll do that. And apparently, I got the fight fixed. It's a little jacked up. I'll explain it to you guys later. Anyway the Bible. Yes, get to the Bible. Here we go. Luke, the 24th chapter, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Uh, they didn't do it the night before because in, according to the Bible, I mean, for us, the morning is when the sun rises, right? And then when it goes, you know, then the night and then the next morning. In the Bible, the, fir- the day actually begins when the sun sets, Well, I have no idea. That's why they do it. So when the sun sets, it's the beginning of the next day. So when the sun sets tonight, it will now be Monday morning. So what happened was that Jesus was crucified on Friday. The sun's getting ready to go down. They're in a panic to try to get him in the tomb right away because they can't do anything on the Sabbath. He can't move, can't work hard. They're very strict about it. So they quick put him in the tube and they just roll the stone in front of it because they got to get out of there because the sun's about to go down. You're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. So they didn't prepare the body properly, which is what you're supposed to do. So they're waiting. And then as soon as the sun goes down Saturday night, it is now Sunday morning. That's why very early in the morning. They're up and they're getting the spices and stuff to go properly prepare the body of Jesus. Well, get there and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And then he reminds them, as I told you last Sunday, many times Jesus told them, We're going to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me and then I'm going to rise on the third day. When they got there, they had no idea what was going on. In all fairness to them, the Lord had often spoken in riddles and parables, and they didn't know what he was saying. So when he's talking about this, at one point, one of the gospels, I said, they they were curious what he meant by all this. He was so clear. When it happens, they are shocked. They had no idea. And then the angel says, the son of, uh, remember how he told you he, when he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they went, oh, yeah. So they had no clue what was going on. And all of a sudden, now it made sense. The Lord had clearly told them what was going to happen. So now Lent is over. The time of reflection, mourning, and fasting is done. It is now Easter Sunday. Now we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus From the dead, this changes everything. All right, up until this point, Jesus was this powerful speaker. They considered him a prophet, uh, as they had many prophets in the Old Testament who did wonderful things. Now, nobody did anything at the scale that Jesus did. I mean, there were multitudes of people who followed Jesus, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, and Jesus would heal them. Uh, Sometimes it says he would heal them all. Uh, can you imagine the impact that would have? Israel's not much bigger than Wisconsin. You know, you can imagine in in Wisconsin, someplace in Wisconsin, uh, there's this guy praying for people and thousands of Wisconsinites are being healed. They had cancer. It's gone. They had leg problems. They couldn't walk. They were crippled. Now, Now they can walk. They couldn't see. Now they can see. They couldn't hear. How long would it take for us to hear about this? I mean thousands upon thousands. And this goes on for three years. It's a long time. Everybody knew what was happening. Uh, and as I argued last week, it is often taught that the people celebrate, celebrated Jesus on Palm Sunday, but were yelling, crucify him by Friday. I maintain it was not the same group of people. A lot of people believed in Jesus and been impacted by his teaching, but not everybody. A lot of people who even saw his miracles, who still didn't didn't believe. The Pharisees, one of them, they saw these, they saw exactly what was happening. They didn't believe. And the Bible says that the Pharisees had ginned up that particular crowd. So I don't think it was the same same bunch of people, but everybody knew about Jesus. And now he has uh, been crucified. Everybody's kind of stunned, right? Because, well, why? What happened to him? You know, because nobody knows. All you know is he gets arrested if you find out next week, I get arrested, you're going to say, well, he was a good pastor, but obviously something was off, right? You know, you would, even if you love me. Yeah. Some of you would love me. Even if I did do something bad, you still love me. God bless you guys. <laughs> Small that crowd may be, but most people would just, ah, you know, he had it coming. So Jesus gets arrested. He's crucified. Oh man. What did he do? He had to do something. They don't crucify people for nothing. Apparently they did. Uh, so everybody's kind of stunned by all of these events. Uh, but then Jesus is about to be taken into heaven. He's talking with his disciples. He says, listen, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The gift my father talked about. I'm not sure they quite grasped that what that was either. They had a hard time grasping most, much of anything. So he goes into heaven and they're waiting in Jerusalem. and and then the day of Pentecost came. Why am I talking about this? Because this is all tied. These events are all tied together. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter morning, and Pentecost, which comes like in six, seven weeks after Easter. Uh, This year, it lands on June the 6th. We will have a big Pentecost Sunday celebration like we did last year, and a special Holy Spirit evening (laughs) where people can get their hands laid on and prayed uh, for all kinds of things. We're looking forward to that. Uh, And we'll talk more about that the closer that we get. But all these events are tied together. The, this series of events changes the world. You say, well, isn't enough that Jesus got raised from the dead? Well, yeah, I mean, it's very powerful and clearly establishes that he's the Messiah. I mean, other people have been raised from the dead by prophets and stuff from the Old Testament, but they would be raised from the dead, but then they had to die again. Talk about good news, bad news. Woohoo, you're alive again! Bad news? You got to die all over again. So this is what these people are looking at. But Jesus raises us from the dead, and he is what we all will be someday. The Bible says on that last day, all mankind will be raised again from the dead, and we will have to answer out the great judgment. So Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, the Bible says. He's the first one this happens for, and he's permanently risen. And this is powerful. It sets us apart from every other religion in the world. No other religion even claims this all right? Everybody has what a prophet, person that taught whatever religion it was, they're long dead, and they have their graves, and they visit the graves, but not with Jesus. There is no grave, all right? He is risen. Totally dramatic difference, but it's still not done. Something has to happen. What is it? It's the coming of the Holy Spirit, which again, comes in a few weeks. We'll be talking about that. Now, so what happens? They are Uh, the day of Pentecost comes. The Bible says they're all up there praying because they're just waiting. They don't know what's going to happen. They have no idea. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God just floods into the place, just rips through eternity. The heavens comes in. They said it's the sound of a rushing mighty wind. People say, how come we don't hear that today? Well, it's kind of a first time event. First time the Spirit of God comes in to the whole world. This had never happened before. Nobody had really experienced the Spirit of God except for rare individuals. The Spirit of God would fall on you know, a guy like Samson or somebody like this or Moses or whatever. But everybody, they didn't feel what we can feel today. We can now feel, as we're singing and worshiping the God, there's something different in this room. If you're a first-time visitor, you've never been in anything like this, whether you're it believer or not, at a minimum, you got to admit there's something in here. Something's different. What is it? It's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Now God can speak to Everybody. And this is a major, major difference in the world. It's transformative. So the Holy Spirit gets loose, comes flooding in there at Jerusalem, and again fills the world. And these guys are like responding, they're celebrating. Uh, the Bible says they start speaking in tongues, and they, they are partying big time and making all this racket. And the Bible says, you know, there's thousands of people in Jerusalem at this time for the Feast of Pentecost. It's a big Jewish tradition. I won't get into it now, but anyway, so that's why they're all there. And thousands of people hear all this racket and they come over running and they see these guys worshiping God, celebrating, speaking in tongues. They don't know what's going on. And the Bible says some of them start making fun of them. Ah, these guys, they're just drunk. And then Peter gets up and preaches. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 10 o'clock in the morning. Clearly Peter had never been to Green Bay. Anyway, he's "Ah, "Hammer, It's too early. And uh, and he starts to preach to them, and they're all listening. But what's happening now? What's different now? The Spirit of God is there, so people could hear the truth. They heard it from Jesus. Undoubtedly, all of these people had, at one point or another, been affected by what Jesus had done. Many of them had literally heard him speak, but it didn't take root. Not why? The Spirit of God was not there to boom, plant it into their hearts. So all of a sudden, these guys are they're preaching about Jesus. And something now is different. The Spirit of God is impacting them. And these words are coming to life, and it's changing them as they're listening to these words. And then it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for your children, for you, your children, and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted the message, his message, were baptized. About 3,000 men that day were added to their number. So he preaches his first sermon, 3,000 people convert. That's pretty impressive. All right? Uh, And uh, a little bit later, it says there's 5,000. I mean, by... Tons. And so they baptized 3,000 guys in one day. I don't know how long that took. <laughs> and I suppose the other apostles jumped in, but man, that's a lot of guys. We just had a wonderful baptism service on, on uh, Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday, the last Wednesday in Lent for us. And uh, we had 30 people be baptized, which was awesome. <clears throat> it was a short service, about an hour. If we get to 3,000, it'll be a lot longer service. But uh, anyway, we'll probably spread it out through the year, 3,000. But uh, wow, what a dramatic impact. Why? For two reasons. One, all these seeds that had been planted into their minds by Jesus were there. The Holy Spirit comes. It comes alive in them. They are, those seeds are immediately bearing fruit. And the presence of the Holy Spirit is now at work in the world. Uh, everything changes. Before this day, people did not experience the presence of God in any real sense. Now they do. Something changed. Something happened. And now God can take the message of truth and impact people's hearts. And they immediately responded. So Christianity just explodes out of the gate at this point. Again, they had heard. They had seen. Many had even experienced the miracles Jesus had done. Without thousands of people over three years, come, I mean, come on, there had to be people who were there. Yeah, I, I was sick and he touched me and it, it's gone. But nothing changed in here until the Holy Spirit came and God makes it come alive. And they hear the message about Jesus and being raised from the dead. Faith explodes in their hearts and they convert. All right, so now Christianity just takes off like crazy. It's exploding. In the beginning... They were all Jewish men and women. They really believed that you had to be Jewish to experience God. If you weren't Jewish, you're just above a chicken and a frog to them. I mean, just—I mean, it was really strict. This is way they taught. You're talking about racism, man. You have no idea. These people were taught you are God's people. Everybody else is nothing. And they were very, very strict about it. And uh, so they didn't even try to reach out to none. Uh, Jewish people. In fact, early Christianity was uh, considered a Jewish sect, like a, a, another denomination, if you will. They had Pharisees, they had Sadducees, and then they had these Christian people. They're all Jews, but they were part of this different group. And it's, it's growing astronomically, and the leaders of the day, they're just being blown away, because it's really reflecting on them, right? We killed this Jesus whom everyone now is celebrating raised from the dead and is the Messiah. They're in a bad place and it creates all kinds of problems. And the heat on these leaders who instigated this is through the roof. So anyway, they're going along and then uh, this happens. We read about this in Acts chapter 10. And I want to look at this with you this morning. Uh, It says at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what is known as the Italian regiment. So he's a Roman Soldier, they didn't like the Romans. The Romans were an occupying army. They hated the Romans. But this is a good Roman. He had learned about the Jewish faith. He was trying to uh, mimic it as much as he could. He would worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was doing good things, giving money to the poor. He's really trying to be a devout man from a Jewish perspective, and the Jews really respected this guy. So. He was obviously unusual being a Roman centurion, but he really uh, was trying to get right. It says, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. But he's an Italian, all right? He's not a Jewish guy. It says, well, one day about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. I bet. Wow. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Here's what I want you to do. Send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who was called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel had spoken to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and another soldier, a devout soldier, a guy who also had been impacted by the Jewish faith, as he had. So another devout guy, uh, who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened and then sent them to Joppa. Go find this guy named Simon Peter. Well, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter goes up on the roof to pray. He gets hungry. He wants something to eat. Somebody make me a sandwich. And he's waiting. And while the meal is being prepared, he falls into a trance. And here's what he sees. He sees heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. In the sheet is all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice says to him, Peter, get up, kill and eat. He's hungry, right? Uh, But the Jews weren't supposed to eat those kinds of animals. And Peter replies, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Think about that. Talk about that in a second. So this happens three times. And comes down the sheet. Get up, kill, eat. No, it's not clean. Don't call something unclean that God has made clean. Uh, And uh, so after the third time... um, Uh, immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. So while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, he's trying to figure out, what does this mean? The man sent by Cornelius found where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. You know, and called out, asking if Simon, who's known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, get up. Three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Why is this important? Because he's not supposed to go with them up to this point. They had nothing to do with non-Jewish people. They just didn't. They stayed away from them. They didn't connect with them. They certainly did not eat with them. They didn't invite them in their houses. They didn't go into their houses. It was a, a strict, strict wall uh, between them. And again, as I'm, I am saying, you, you, we talk about racism and stuff like that. And, uh, and racism used to be really rampant throughout the world. And even in this country, uh, those of you geezers like me born in the 1800s, you know, we remember what it was like, right? Especially our parents and our grandparents, just, you know, somebody wasn't the right color or something. And they would just freak out, you know, I remember when I was first dating Debbie, her German grandmother says, why can't you date someone of your own kind? And she said, you mean another girl? No, 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 He's one of those people, you know, it was just very strange. So anyway, uh, and it was very, very intense in this country. I talked about this a few years ago, and read to you from one of the bills from the Green Bay Packers. One of the, you know, he goes for the game, and he's got the, everybody's names and stuff like that. They still do that today. Player number eleven, so and so. Here's where he went to school. Da 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 da. But if you remember, I was reading to you. They also added what race they were connected to. Uh, Linebacker, he's from Iowa. He's German. This guy's Czechoslovakian. This guy's foolish. I mean, they, you wouldn't dare do something like that today. There's been a dramatic improvement in relationships, So much so that that's why some of you younger guys, you know, don't ask. Why doesn't, why don't we get more upset about this? Because man, it's dramatically improved from what it was. It wasn't anything like that before. But in this case, this is that on steroids. They had nothing. They would even try, the Gentiles would try to be nice to the Jews and Jews wouldn't have anything to do with them. Uh, if you ever encounter very, very devout uh, Hasidic Jews, which we don't have around here, but it's still, that, it's still that way. They just won't have anything to do with you. But, like people say, you know, why are some people anti-Semitic? You know, why, why do people hate, hate so many Jews? Why do people talk like that? Because they tick them off. <laughs> and they're mean to them. You know, they do not have anything to do with you. They won't let you touch them. Uh, just, it's crazy, crazy stuff. So it, it's like this. 2,000 years. This is intense. And uh, so he says... Uh, don't hesitate to go with them. Well, Peter went down and says, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? God never told him why they were there. He just said, don't call anything unclean that I say is clean. And the men said, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people, okay? A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests which is a big no-no, but okay, just had this vision. All right, all right, come on, come in, guys. Don't touch nothing, but come on in. Uh, so the next day, Peter starts out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along, probably just to make sure he didn't touch anything. You know I mean? They are so straight, you have no idea. Uh, so the following day, he arrives in Caesarea. Cornelius was expect- expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends, a whole bunch of people are there. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet in reverence. Peter said, get up. I'm just a man myself. That's why we don't pray to dead people. There's a whole the sermon. All right. So while Peter uh, was talking with him, he goes inside and found a large gathering of people. And here's how he starts out. You are well aware it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or even visit a Gentile. So he starts out by saying, you know, I'm really not supposed to be here with you people. Kind of a bad way to start a talk when you insult everybody that's sitting there. But that's how he starts out. Uh, I'm not supposed to have anything to do with you. Uh, da, 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 da. I lost, here we go. No, I'm lost. <laughs> oh, here it is. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising objection. I did what I was told. He gets there says, so may I ask, What do you want? So he doesn't go there thinking, I'm going to share the good news about Jesus with these people. That's the furthest thing from his mind. They're non-Jews. We don't deal with creepy crawly people. All right? He said, why are you here? So Cornelius said, look, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So Peter's probably going, wow, how do they even, how does he even know where I am, right? And these people came and got me because what this angel said, gave his address. So um, I sent for you immediately, he says, and it was good of you to come. Even though you just insulted us, we're good to see you. Now, we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Well, the Lord hadn't commanded him anything. He just shows up. And it starts to dawn on him what's going on. And he says, well, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So what he's saying, in essence, you're a good guy. You're not Jewish, but you're almost Jewish. Because you're almost Jewish, I guess God likes you, basically. So, Uh, Now, you know the message. Now, check this out. What do you say? You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord over all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judah, Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. So he starts out by saying, you guys all know this. Now, they're not even Jews. They're Romans. He knows. They all know what's been going on. Because this was not done in a closet. What Jesus did was huge. Thousands upon thousands of people's lives were transformed, healed. Miraculous stuff had happened. Even though they didn't get it by faith, but still, they were seeing it. They all knew about Jesus. Even the non-Christians anywhere in that area knew about Jesus. Not only did they know about Jesus, they knew about John the Baptist, he says. John the Baptist was a major major figure, too. He does this transformative thing in the nation. Jesus comes right after him, takes it to a new level. Uh, Everybody knows what's been happening in Israel. Even these unbelievers, even these Gentiles. So, um, you, you, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him you guys all know this. Can you imagine preaching to people who everybody knew about this? I mean, they definitely had a leg up when they were starting this out. Then Peter uh, no, 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 says, we are witnesses, to everything that Jesus had done in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. They undoubtedly had heard this as well. Wow. What did he do? But then it says, but God raised him from the dead on the third day, the day we are celebrating today, and caused him to be seen. He wasn't seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. There are quite a few, actually, if you look at it. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he was the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets, talking about the Old Testament, testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still speaking these words, he's not stopping at this point, asking, would you guys like to believe in Jesus? Would you like to accept Christ in your life? We always do that, right? Give people an opportunity to respond. He's not even there yet. He's just talking. While he's talking, uh, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. They are being transformed. And apparently, they immediately start worshiping God It says here, the circumcised believers, in other words, the Jews who come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. While he's preaching, before he gets them to repent or anything, they just start worshiping God and speaking in tongues. And that's a pretty quick conversion. I mean, immediately. How can they believe so quickly? Again, because they've heard about all the stuff Jesus did. There are seeds planting in that We don't run typically into people. But then the Holy Spirit is there immediately to bring that to life. And they become believers. And Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Now this ratchets up even more. Then they start going to places nobody had heard about Jesus. You would think this is going to be almost impossible. Paul goes to Greece and these other places, they, they haven't heard the stories about Jesus. They haven't been hearing about John the Baptist. they hearing all these miracles. They don't know people who've been touched one way or the other. They don't know Jack. What they do have is the Holy Spirit. And even into people who had never heard or knew anything about him, they would start to speak to them and tell them about this incredible thing that God has done, how Jesus had died and crossed for their sins. And immediately the Holy Spirit would bring that to life and they would convert and Christianity spreads like wildfire and starts changing the world. Even to this day, no one here has ever heard Jesus speak. No one here has a cousin who was blind and now can see because Jesus has touched them. We don't have any of that stuff going for us. But yet when we hear the message, the Holy Spirit is still present and very real. And people come to faith and their lives are changed because they believe in Jesus Christ who taught uh gave his message, was crucified for our sins, raised from the dead that we celebrate on this day. And because of the spirit of God, it's alive and powerful to this day. We can be still transformed. I mean, that's really the power of this, right? I mean, one could argue, well, of course, Christianity took off in the beginning because everybody had seen it. And then they say, well, okay, you know, at least when they went other places, they didn't know anything about it, but it was still pretty fresh in the guy's mind. 2000. This is a great testimony to God. So why hasn't Jesus come yet? I think God's getting a kick out of this. 2,000 years later, nobody knows jack about anything. Don't have any of these connections. And people are still having their lives transformed by the message of Jesus, the living Christ, as the Spirit of God draws people to him. What an incredible thing. We've been celebrating this week, and we'll continue to celebrate. Uh, Well, we celebrate all year long, but uh, through Pentecost Sunday. Now, we're going to pause now, and we're going to go to our time of communion. This is when we reflect on what Jesus did for us. Okay, On the night before he was crucified, he's doing the Passover, a very traditional Jewish Seder that you know, they do. And he's doing all the stuff they're supposed to do. But then all of a sudden, he starts doing something different no one had ever seen. And he gives them bread and said, this is my body broken for you. I hadn't been crucified yet. They probably had no idea what he's talking about. This is my blood. When he gave them the wine, pour it out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then the next day, all of this happens. So even before it happens, he was celebrating this with his disciples and something that we are commanded to continue to celebrate. And the Bible says, before we do this as believers, we should pause and examine ourselves. So I want you all to bow your heads and I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. If you've messed up in any way during this last week or how long it's been been, since you've been here, man, make it right. Just talk to God, confess your sins to him. Let me pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word or deed, something we've done, maybe something we didn't do that we should have done. If we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, we pray for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins that you would have mercy on us and forgive us of all of our sins. And as people are reflecting right now, maybe you're visiting this morning, watching online, thinking, man, I've never experienced any of this stuff. Well, you can experience it right now. Just in your own words, ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can start that miracle transformation in your hearts right now. Amen.